but I got a head bang. Thanks. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you all. Um, I'm glad to be able to fill in for Steve uh, this week and then uh, two weeks from now and then the week after that. It's a great privilege to be able to come and guest preach. Uh, I do this quite often, and it's always fun because you get to see different expressions of the body of Christ. You get to see the way that different churches worship and they work together. So it's sweet to be with you all. If you would, please take out your Bibles or take out your cell phones or your iPads and swipe right. If you have a paper Bible, um, turn to the Psalms. We're going to be looking specifically at Psalm 3 today. And um, I don't know if it's your custom, but it's my custom to ask this. So if you would please stand out of respect for the reading of God's word. The reason why we stand is because it isn't just me speaking to us at this moment. At this moment, as we hear um, from the Psalter, we're hearing from God. And we're hearing him speak his words of life to us. So listen as I read. You can read from up here on the, on the TVs if you don't have a Bible. Psalm chapter 3, pay careful attention, for this is the word of God. A psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son. O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Thus far, the reading of God's word, would you pray with me? Lord God, uh, we come into your presence now, and uh, where can we turn to? Lord, you have the words of life. You have words of truth. You have words of peace. God, we pray that you would meet us here in the midst of your congregation, that you would be with us, that you would calm our fears, that, Lord, as we hear the cry of David, we would hear not only our own cry, but we would hear the cry of Jesus and we would see him delivered, resurrected, and praying on our behalf. God, fill our hearts with joy over that fact, we pray. For Christ's sake, amen. You may be seated. Uh, it's a funny thing to stand up in front of people and talk. I don't know if you've ever had to do this or, or not, but uh, a lot of times, you know, they give you like these tricks to make yourself not be afraid, right? They say, don't look at people in the face, look over the tops of their heads. Um, even to things that are crazy, like uh, imagine everyone's there in their underwear, which by the way, I'm not imagining that right now, thank God. Um, and I pray you don't do that with me either. But I was thinking recently, what would it be like? What would it be like if I was to have a week or a day or an hour or even a moment where I wasn't afraid of something? You see, I'm a fearful guy. Um, 
as I was walking up here, my, my, my uh, heart was in my chest, or was in my throat. I was afraid. Even as I'm up here, I'm trembling. I'm afraid. You're a bunch of people I don't know. And I was wondering, what would it be like? What would it be like? What would it be like if I had a sort of liturgy that would help me to walk through my day when I faced fear? Do you know what a liturgy is? We just went through a liturgy. We're in the middle of a liturgy. It's a way of worship and praise and thanks. Right? We've all woken up afraid. We all have done that before. We've all woken up afraid and we thought, God, am I going to suffer again today? God, am I going to run into that person today who I have such a difficult relationship with? God, are you... Are you going to help me in the midst of my business proposal? Are you going to help me with my child who's gone off the rails? We've all woken up afraid. What's going to happen? We've all faced down fear. And this sort of fear takes its uh, form in many different ways and expresses itself in so many different ways from anxiety to panic attacks, from sleepless nights to depression, from an upset stomach, indigestion to being paralyzed, to just wanting to hide under the blankets for the day. We've all woken up facing fear. And kids, you know this. Uh, You live in a high-pressured world, Uh, social media, school. Will I be accepted? You live in a high-pressure world with high demands on you. You have to be successful. You have to be busy in extracurricular activities. You have to do all of these things so that you can get into a good college, so you can get a good job, so your life can be great. And that creates anxiety and fear. So when we wake up and we're surrounded by the pressures of the day, where can we look to for deliverance? Who can we look to for deliverance? Who can we look to for freedom, for solid ground to stand on in the midst of our fear? Is there a thoughtful way to start our days that reminds us that God is with us? And if God is with us, then who can stand against us? Is there a thoughtful way to do that? But you see, these external things aren't the only fears in our lives, right? Some days you wake up and you look at yourself in the mirror and you know what you've done the night before. You know what you've done the day before. And you have that uncertainty. We live in this gap between the promise of God and the reality of our life. The promise of God that those who delight in his law will be like trees planted by the streams flowing water, producing fruit, and yet we look at our lives and we say, ha, what happened to me? Did I miss the flowing water? Where are my fruit? We look at our lives and we say, God, we know that you promised blessing, but... My life is nothing but turmoil and stress and problems. And I look at the world around me and like Psalm 73 says, 
My, the enemies of the Lord, they grow fat. They're sleek. Their eyes are bulging. They live in indulgence. And yet here I am, barely scraping by. Instead of victory, so often we deal with uncertainty. We deal with feelings of defeat and we wonder, God, are you with me? God, are you here? So today, we're going to look at how we find restful confidence. How we start to walk in that direction. And I have one main point. This is the main point of the whole sermon. Uh, we'll break it down into, into a couple of uh, sub-points, but one main point. The main point is just this. You'll see it up on the screen. Uh, Jesus knows our fear. Jesus knows our fear, and he's conquered our enemies. So we can start our day prayerfully with a gospel liturgy. For our salvation belongs to God. It's a big main point, big theme, but let me repeat it to you again. I'll do this so that you have extra time, note takers, to write it down. Jesus knows our fear. Jesus knows your fear. And has conquered your enemies and our enemies. So we can start our day with prayerful, with a prayerful gospel liturgy. For salvation belongs to our Lord. We're going to look at this in four main points. Four big points. First of all, the fearful morning. Fearful morning. There's no deliverance for him and God. Second, hopeful prayer. But you, O Lord. Third, restful confidence. I lay down. I woke again. And then fourth, answered prayers. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So first, fearful morning. Um, it's interesting that this psalm comes right on the heels of Psalms 1 and 2, right? Psalms 1, Psalm 1 is this great thing about, about how God is establishing his people, how God is feeding his people, how he's defeating his enemies. Psalm 2 is this beautiful psalm about the reign of the Lord, the reign of David, and in that we see the reign of the Messiah. And it's like, hooray, the king is here. And then Psalm 3. Psalm 3 kind of hits you right in the face. We are expecting prosperity. We're expecting victory. God's anointed king is here. And yet this very king is expressing his sorrow as his son chases him out of, out of Jerusalem, out of the kingdom. I mean, just imagine this if you're David for a moment. Um, David has just been chased by Saul. He's been promised by God, you're going to be king. I'll establish your throne. Uh, God made a covenant with him. I'll establish your throne forever. And then now he's being chased out of the city by his son Absalom. Teens, this would kind of like being, uh, be, being named the king or queen of the homecoming court. And then the next day showing up to school and people are throwing tomatoes at you. And you're wondering, what just happened? Who am I? And you feel unloved and unlovable. You see, this psalm narrates for us the conversation that David is having with God, and I think some with himself. 
in 1 Samuel 15 through 19. David, this chosen king, chosen by God, is now forced out of the capital city. And notice how he describes his situation. He describes it in a couple of ways. In verse 1, he says there's a multitude of foes. There's a multitude of people who are rising up against him. They're rising for war. These people are people who mean business, right? They're chasing him. They're mocking him. They're saying there's no salvation for you, David, especially not in God. They're mocking him, and he's facing that internal voice. He's hearing one. You know the one that I'm talking about. The one that when things start going wrong, you start thinking to yourself, is there actually salvation for me in God? Does God care? David describes his enemies as many. They're this overwhelming force that's surrounding him. But notice, this isn't just a physical battle. If that was, if that was it, that'd be one thing. But it's a spiritual warfare that's just coming against David over and over again. They're denying that God is the God of his people. They're denying that God will follow through on his promise, on his covenant promise to David. And his enemies are playing on these fears. Martin Luther, uh, the great reformer, says this. They not only say that I'm abandoned and trodden upon by all creatures, but also that God will not help me. He who assists all things, sustains all, cares for all, that for me alone of all things he has no care and will minister no support or meet, will minister to me no support. It's important for us to stop here and just to take a moment. And recognize that this psalm just isn't about David. Or by extension, you or me. This psalm is about the true king. This psalm is about the Messiah. You see, Jesus came to his people who should have received and loved his rule and his reign. And yet he was surrounded by enemies. He was surrounded by the very people who, would, who should have been his family. And he was accused. He was oppressed. He was scorned. He was mocked. He was killed. Jesus woke up knowing that the cross was before him. But unlike David and unlike you and me, Jesus didn't run. He never fled in his fear. Even in his weakest of moments. And he did this for you. Fearful one. He did it for me. He did it in our place. So that when we fail, when we turn and we hear those internal voices and we say, you're right. Voice, you're right. There is no salvation for me. God's abandoned me. 
Look at my situation. When we do that, we have Jesus' righteousness in our place. He did that for us. He did it knowing that we would be weak. He did it so that we would have the righteousness of Christ. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. He did it for you and for me so that not not even our fear could separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. You see... We can look, when we are in our fear, we can look to God and we can see the proof that God is with us in the cross and in the empty tomb. And this, this turns us towards God. This objective reality turns us towards God in hopeful prayer. Point number two, hopeful prayer, but you, O Lord. David turns from reflecting on the numbers of his enemies, and he begins to reflect on the character of God. He pulls his eyes up from his circumstances, and he looks to see God. He sees the one who is a shield around him, who lifts his head. Yes, who even answers David's cries from his holy hill. And notice the reversal that occurs. Whereas in verse 1, there was this multitude of foes pressing in around him. That's answered by God, who becomes the shield that surrounds David. That protects him from the attacks of his enemies. He goes from foes rising against him and David fleeing with his head down in, in defeat to hope. To hope because God is the one who lifts his head. He goes from those who would attempt to discourage him in saying of his soul there's no salvation to David crying aloud to the Lord in trust and in hope. And then it goes from no salvation to God answering his prayers. But you see, what's beautiful about this is this isn't just a verbal answer. It's an answer that will will one day be accompanied by action and by deliverance. David will return to his rightful place on the throne and will assume his position as the king of Israel. And you see, we have to stop here again. And we have to say, this isn't just about David. This is about Christ. Christ who... Turn to God in hopeful prayer, not my will, but yours be done, who went to the cross, who was buried in the tomb, and then was raised on the third day for our justification, who has ascended to the right hand of the Father and is now seated there, interceding for you and me in the midst of our in the midst of our prayerlessness, in the midst of our fear. In the midst of our hopelessness. Christ is the one who entrusted himself to the Father. 
even in the face of his most trying times. Christ poured out his heart. Father, let this cup pass from me, please. And yet, entrusted himself to the Father who delivered him. And if the Father, hear this clearly, if the Father will do that for Jesus, he will do it for you as well. If the Father will do that for Jesus, he will do that for you as well. Because you, through the work of Christ, are his son or daughter. And he's well pleased in you. So when we wake up in fear, when we wake up wondering what's going to happen today, we can turn to God in the morning. We can turn to him as the darkness surrounds us, not just physical darkness, but mental or spiritual darkness, and know that one day the sun will rise. God will protect He will ultimately deliver us. Now, here's the rub, though, right? This doesn't mean that the cancer will go away. It doesn't mean that the broken relationship will be restored right then. It doesn't mean that the bully will disappear. But it does mean that God will deliver you. God will deliver you. And what that does is it gives you restful confidence to wake up and face the day. Third point, restful confidence. I lay down, I woke up again. After reflecting on the character of God, David pronounces this beautiful fact. One commentator uh, puts it this way. It's the psalmist's conviction that David heard and answered prayer, which makes possible the transition to this quiet statement of trust. Surrounded by enemies who want to kill him, the psalmist finds uh, himself in a situation naturally inviting insomnia. But it is his conviction that the Lord sustains that makes sleep possible in an impossible situation. The words of trust reflect the morning after. Keep in mind, God hasn't changed David's situation. (laughs) David's still on the run. David's still running for his life and he still has this multitude of enemies. And in fact... um, In fact, he's able to lay down. It's wild. It's like, how does this happen? He knows that God is actively sustaining him. He knows that God is actively keeping him. God has not abandoned him, but is helping him in the midst of the trials. And and the trials are getting worse. Look back at your Bibles. It's getting worse. David's enemies are going from just being um, like rising against him to then setting themselves against him in verse 6. This is an important phrase. And it sounds kind of weird because set set themselves doesn't sound like that important. Um, You can kind of gloss right past him. 
right past that. But what it means is that they've actually put on their battle armor and they're standing in the ranks ready to attack. They're arrayed for battle against him. They've armed themselves. He's completely surrounded and yet he affirms his trust in God. I will not be afraid. Can I ask you, where's the enemy arrayed himself against you today? Where do you feel like your enemies are pressing in? Is it the accusing voice of your conscience? Is it a diagnosis? Is it a, is it a kid, um, one of your children, who you worry about their soul? Is it a difficult boss, a difficult job? Difficulty in providing for yourself or your family? The enemy rises against you. The enemy surrounds you and is accusing you, saying, God's not your God. And yet David shows that God sustains you. You see, as believers, as we stare down our fear, we're not alone. When we stare down our conscience, we're not alone. God has not and will not abandon you. He has given you his spirit to reside inside of you and to sustain you so that even in the midst of our panic state, we can say God is for me. God is my deliverer. We can use a gospel liturgy to help shape our prayer of hope. Fourth point answered prayers. So often, um, when I was a child, I was afraid of the dark. It's kind of embarrassing as a grown man now to admit this, but um, I was afraid of the dark. I don't really even know what I was afraid of, but I was just afraid, right? Um, And I can remember what made me afraid. It was a scary movie that my parents told me I shouldn't watch, but I went and watched it anyways. Um, and then I couldn't sleep. And for a very long time, um, I couldn't sleep in the dark. My parents would come in, they would pray for me, they'd turn off the lights, and all of a sudden it'd feel like the room was starting to close in around me. And you know, it started off as like a weird fear, like, oh yeah, Joel, you're just crazy. And then it became this kind of like real guttural fear inside of me. This thing that started about right here, and rose up into my chest and into my throat. And pretty soon, not only could I not sleep, but I couldn't breathe. And I didn't want to get out of bed because whatever was in my room was going to get me if I got out of bed as if my bed like, was like God's hedge of protection, like Satan couldn't get through my bed. Um, so I pulled the blankets up over my head, you know, like, oh my gosh, I couldn't turn on the light because if I turned on, I had to get out of bed, that wasn't going to work. Couldn't go to my parents. 
because I didn't want to look like a weakling. And now I look back and I think that's so goofy, right? It's so goofy. Why would I think that like pulling a blanket over my head would do anything? But here's the kicker. So often when we struggle and are gripped by fears, when we face the unknown, an unknown future, an unknown medical outcome, an unknown financial outcome, we, we uh, repeat trite phrases like, it's going to be okay. Um, it'll be all right. Sometimes we tell that to our friends, right? Or we'll say like, oh, I really, I really, um, I really feel confident that something's going to go my way. Or we'll repeat the promises of God. Um, without acknowledging the real struggle that's going on inside of us, and then they become cold comfort after a while. We'll participate in what one author calls the wishful optimism of our culture. And as we do this, it's just like we're pulling blankets over our heads. Notice how David responds. He does this um, really in this, in this amazing way. He says, arise, O Lord. David's many enemies have arisen against him. And David says, arise, O Lord. What's interesting about this word is that it's an imperative. He's not asking God. <laughs> It's one thing, like, if my kid comes to me and says, hey, Dad, would you help me with this? Right? He's asking. But when my kid comes to me and he says, Dad, get up and help me now. It's a completely different thing. And this is what David is saying to God. Arise, O Lord. I need you now. David's calling on him to come to his aid. And he says, save me, oh my God. He reminds himself. He uses this sort of liturgy to guide his thoughts. You strike. You break. And in this, God utterly humiliates the enemy. And notice what happens. I actually had my slides in the wrong order, so sorry. Um, but here we go. Notice what happens. Verses 4, 5, and 6. You get these real staccato, these real staccato sorts of uh, reactions. I cried. I laid down and slept. I woke again. I will not be afraid. Oh, that's powerful. I poured out my soul to God. I cried to him. God, arise on my behalf. Save me. I laid down and slept. I don't know about you, but that's the hardest part for me. I laid down and slept. I awoke again, for the Lord sustained me. 
I will not be afraid. What would it be like if life was like that for you? What would that be like? It'd be freedom. It'd be joy. It'd be amazing. This salvation that we see, the salvation that David speaks of, the work of God is ultimately seen in the person and work of Christ. You see, the way we can cry and we can lay down and sleep and rest and then wake up and then move through life with freedom is because Jesus has defeated our enemies. It's because Jesus has done this for us. He stared our ultimate enemy in the face, sin and death, and he conquered sin and death for you. He did it on the cross for you and for me. But it's so easy to listen to the lies of Satan, isn't it? It's easy to listen. It's easy to hear him when we're faced with the realities of our lives. And yet it's here where we look to the cross with eyes of faith, where we look to the empty tomb with eyes of faith. And we say, there is my hope because salvation belongs to the Lord. And if salvation belongs to the Lord, then there's blessing for his people. David breaks out and prays. David breaks out and prays knowing that there is a deliverer, a deliverer from his enemies you see, this gives you the confidence to be able to say, God, I pray that you would deliver me. I pray that you would deliver me from my suffering. I pray that you would work in my life so that I would stop having physical pain. And yet, if you decide that it's best for me to continue to suffer... Lord, help me not to be afraid. For one day you, my God, my great king, will come on your white horse and deliver your people. Give me hope. So how does this apply to us today? How does this form our mornings? Um, here's, a, here's a quick, simple guide, a gospel liturgy for your morning. You can do this by yourself, or you can do it with a friend, maybe a spouse, a loved one, a family member. When you wake up and you feel fear gripping your heart, open your Bibles, turn to Psalm 3, and do this. One of you, read aloud verses 1 and 2. And then acknowledge your fear and your anxiety to God. Cry out to him. Funny thing about God is he knows it already. Um, <laughs> but acknowledge your fear to God. Then end by saying, salvation belongs to our Lord. Then the next person, or if you're by yourself, you read it to yourself. Read aloud verses 3 and 4. Call out to God to deliver you. Call out to God to deliver you from your fears. End by saying, salvation belongs to our God. Then, 
read verses 5 and 6. Read them aloud. Pray and confess your trust in the power of God to keep you. Guess what you're going to end by saying? Salvation belongs to our God. Then read verses 7 and 8. Ask God to give you hope. The hope of the resurrection. The hope of his deliverance. And end by saying, Surely salvation belongs to our God. Your blessing be on your people. May God make Harbor City Church a church that's dedicated and formed by gospel liturgy in the face of fear. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you now. And God, uh, we thank you that um, even now, Lord, you are the one who has uh, delivered us. You are the one who has worked on our behalf. And God, we pray that you would grant us mercy in the midst of that. We pray that you grant us confidence in your work. And we pray, Lord, that when we face down our fears, that God, you would guide our hearts. That, Lord, you would bring to mind of this gospel liturgy and that Lord you would give us hope and rest and peace. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.